things that I don't understand. Some things I can't come to grip with. Sometimes I just look out in the world and think, why? Why me, God? Why this situation? Why them, Lord? Why this tribulation? down on my luck for a while. I mean, I don't even have an ace in the deck. Just empty hands with no patience that's left. I'm lost in the desert, no oasis. I guess I'm hung out to dry. Lips chapped, feet hurt in this weather. I thirst and I march on, hoping to find an answer. Just an inkling of faith in this world full of cancer would be a refreshing drip of water on the tip of my tongue. The fresh, cool breeze of Jehovah's lungs is exactly what I need. But that feels so far away. I mean, God, are you really with me? Do you really care? When I cry in distress, are you really there? Your word says yes, but sometimes I doubt it. But clearly my own path needs rerouting. Because every time I walk my own way, I get lost, and even though I'm lost in the desert, I now realize he created it. He knows where the water is. He made the sun. His creation is marvelous, and he is in control even when I fail. He is faithful even when I fall. He is what I need even when I doubt. He is fresh water in the midst of the drought. God and he is king. He is Lord and gives life to all things. He gives and takes away and sometimes I just need to trust that he knows exactly what he is doing. When I am asleep, he is moving. When I fall, he is choosing to pick me back up with outstretched arms. We serve an awesome God, don't we? Isn't that just to pick the God that created everything, cares about each one of us. Isn't that incredible? Well, before I get started today, I am going to once more remind you about um, the Herald Review, Reader's Choice. If you haven't heard about me talking about it, then you have missed the last two weeks. So, <laughs> But I want to let you know that um, we can still vote. Um, you can vote every day, and it's up till the 19th. And if you are unfamiliar with this, it is something that the Herald Review does every year. And you can get on online, and you can pick your favorite barbecue place, your, your favorite doctor, and your favorite place to go to church. But it's a little bit tricky. They don't put best church, best place to worship. So that's where you want to go to and, and vote because we have won this 14 years in a row. So let's go for 15. Let's go for 15, don't you think? Okay, I am excited what we're going to be talking about today. Look in your notes, Joshua 14, starting in verse 9. So on that day, Moses swore to me, the land on which your feet have walked will be your inheritance and that of your children forever. 
because you'll follow the Lord, my God, wholeheartedly. Now then, just as the Lord promised, he kept me alive for 45 years since the time he said this to Moses while Israel moved about in the wilderness. So here I am today, 85 years old. I'm still as strong as the day Moses sent me out, and I'm just as vigorous to go out to battle now as I was then. Now give me this hill country that the Lord promised me today. Well, who this scripture is talking about is Caleb. You remember Caleb. Caleb was uh, one of the spies that went into the promised land. But if you could just think about him, as you read that verse, just in your mind picture, I can see him almost trembling. He's so excited. 45 years. He's waited 45 years for this. He had finally come to the place where he was going to go in. It might have been a long journey, but he was still ready. You know, Caleb was one of two million people that escaped out of Egypt. God said, had, had something special for those people, and they were under such horrible conditions. They were slaves, they were beaten, and they were crying out to God, God, please rescue me. And he did. And he did, through a whole series of incredible, miraculous things, God, God had Pharaoh release them. Read it in Exodus, it's just amazing. And then they get, to, um, they get to go. As a matter of fact, God had given them such favor that people in Egypt, the Egyptians gave them stuff. Here, you know, cattle and gold and silver and all kinds of things. So, now we have 2 million people, not 200, not 2,000, 2 million people and all their stuff. There's no moving vans. There's no, there's no uh, easy way to move 2 million people, but they, they get it together somehow. They are moving, and, and everything seems to be going great until they come to the Red Sea. About the time they come to the Red Sea, they also realize that Pharaoh has suddenly realized that everybody that does all the work in his country is now gone, and he wants them back. He gets the army to go chase them, and they are trapped. And God, the God who does miracles, pushed that water apart, dried it all out, and said, just go right down through the Red Sea. And I, I was reading the scripture this week, and I thought, oh my goodness, what would it have been like to be one of those people? You know, as you're walking, I wonder, I think you'd still be scared. I would still be scared. Just because even though it's dry, there's probably water just stacked up beside you, fish looking at you. Do you know, just, it's going to be, you know, it just still would be kind of, kind of scary, but yet miraculous, right? So they get to the other side. Pharaoh and his, his troops come, and the water comes back and drowns them all. They have seen miraculous. They have seen the miraculous. And God tells them to go to the promised land, and what happens then is what we're going to talk about today. See, Caleb had been waiting 45 years because he was not able to go in. The dream of the promised land was in his heart, but I'm sure after 45 years, it was hard to still believe. 
Yet somehow he kept that faith alive. He did somehow keep it alive. And today we're going to be talking, how did he do it? How did he keep the faith alive and how can we do it? The first thing in your notes is you have to pursue unshakable faith. Pursue unshakable faith. Hebrews 11.1 tells us what faith is. Now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. Confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. You know what? If you're believing that you're going to get home today, well, you probably don't have to have a lot of faith for that because you've got your car and you'll just get in it and you'll go. But faith is believing things before you see it. Faith is taking God's promises and say, it is mine and I'm going to believe it and I'm going to trust God for it. Many of you know that I have three grandchildren, and they are great. So usually I wheeze in one of them that I'm going to talk about. But I'm going to talk to you about Ella today. But I have two boys that are seven and three. Bennett is seven. Uh, Sawyer's three. But Ella is eight. And um, it was, I don't know, maybe more than a year ago when she, she decided we needed a puppy. So she was praying every night for a puppy. And we already have a dog. Now she is, she'll be 15 next month. So she's older and she doesn't want to play at all. So she really wanted a puppy that she could play with. And I thought, okay, well she's, you know, she'll drop it, she's a kid, you know. But no, at night after night she's praying about it. So finally her mom and dad said, okay Ella, there is a couple things you're gonna have to do if you want a puppy. The first thing you're going to have to do is you are going to have to start taking care of Maddie. That's her older dog. I want you to take over feeding and watering her every day. If, if she needs to go out, I want you to be the first one that goes up and gets her and takes her out. And, and you have to do this for three months. And then uh, the other thing is, we don't have money for a dog, so we're going to have to pray about it, and you're going to have to save money. So she had tried for a couple times. Like maybe she would, she would do the water and the food, and then pretty soon you're, you're having to tell her, and then pretty soon she's not around. But then there was a time where all of a sudden she was determined. So we went month one. She's doing it all for Maddie. By the time number two was done, I thought, oh my gosh, we're getting a puppy. Somehow God, because I knew I knew she had faith for the money. I knew she would believe God for the money because she'd been praying about that. So she started to, so she made it three months. In the meantime, she started saving money because she had to save. We had no money for it. She was going to have to save money for it. Her and her mom and dad had been searching what kind of dog would be a good dog for two rambunctious boys and you know to be part of our family it had to be one that would play and have fun so she had her goal and she started she would do all kinds of extra jobs and and then she decided to have a lemonade and cupcake stand in our neighborhood and so she um she got all she got all the neighborhood kids there were probably 12 out there 
to put signs on their bikes and go all the way through our neighborhoods yelling that there was a cupcake stand. So she is gonna be an organizer when she is an adult. She will be a very good leader. I don't know how she got them all talked into that, but she did. She would, um, we had an event here at the church where people, if they had something that they wanted to sell, they could come and, and you know, Mary Kay was there, somebody was there with that, and just different things. And um, Ella decided that she was going to bring her blanket. She had started making the Thai blankets. And so she got her, her, her little area, and then her mom and dad had an area right next to her. She was the only one there that night that sold every one of those blankets, every one of them, and came home with orders for more. And I'm not sure, maybe it has to do with you must wear a fancy dress when you're going to sell something. You know, wear the fancy dress. I don't know. She was determined. God just, and God, when you are doing all you can do and you're praying about it, God just gives you opportunity, doesn't he? So I said, because I knew that this was going to happen, and so I thought, well, what I'll do is, I'm good, if I get any unexpected money, money that I hadn't planned on, that I would for sure give it to her. And so, I mean, just odd things kept happening. You know, one of them, I had spoke at an, at an event, and it had been probably three or four weeks, the event. I mean, they had paid me at the end, given me money, and I got this letter in the mail, and the lady said, we appreciate you being there so much, and we didn't think about your your gas mileage, and here's a check for it. Just things like that can't, and so I'm like, okay, I'll like cash a check, here's some money for your puppy. Well, I know you're not surprised, but she got a puppy, and it, maybe you can see the little one, and, and we got one with her and Ella, yeah. She is growing more than that, but she is just a little doll. What you need to know about her is she is happy-go-lucky kind of dog. She loves toys, and sometimes when our family room is a mess, it's not because we have a three-year-old, it's because we have a puppy. And she likes to get every toy that we have in, the, in her little basket out. This is one of her favorites. She absolutely loves it. If you just throw it, you could just sit there all night, throwing it, and she'll bring it back, throwing it. But when she comes back to me, she, she always does it. She won't let go of it. So, like, I'm pulling, you know, and, you know, I'll do it for so long, and then I'll just let it go. But sure enough, then as soon as I do, she'll drop it because what she wants me to do is throw it again. Annie's happy-go-lucky like that, but I want you to think of a, maybe a little bit stronger dog, maybe a dog that um, has more of a bite, maybe a, a, a bulldog or a pit bull, and you give one of them a nice juicy bone. It's got a little bit of meat on it. I can pretty much tell you there is no way you're getting that bone away, and I'm pretty sure when you come close, it's going to be growling at you. Don't you, go, don't you get my bone. Well, today, I want you to realize that if you want what God wants for you, you're going to have, that, have to have that kind of faith that you just say, nothing is taking it away from me. And that's what the kind of faith that I believe that Caleb had, that unshakable faith, that faith that says, I don't care what else is going on. I believe God. 
we're going to go back to 45 years when they first got to the place where they were going to go into the promised land. And look at um, the first verse that we're going to read is on your screen, not in your notes. It's Numbers 13, 26 and 22, 28. They came to Moses and Aaron and the whole Israelite community at Kadesh in the desert of Paran. There they reported to them and to the whole assembly and showed them the fruit of the land. They gave Moses this account. We went into the land which you sent us and it does flow with milk and honey. Here is its fruit. But the people who live there are powerful and the cities are fortified and very large. We even saw descendants of Anak there, which would be giants. Go on in verse 30. Then Caleb silenced the people before Moses and said, We shall go up and take possession of the land, for we can certainly do it. But the men who have gone up with him said, "Uh, We can't attack these people. They're stronger than we are. And they spread among the Israelites a bad report about the land they had explored. They said, The land we explored devours those living in it, and all the people we saw there were of great size. See, what I realized is Caleb, for 45 years, had done what he could do and was waiting for God to do the rest. He continued to get himself ready for battle. Did you see that opening scripture says, I'm ready? I'm as ready as I was 45 years ago. And I wonder, do we sometimes say, I'm getting tired of waiting? I don't even know if I'm ready for this promise because I don't see it happening right now. So how did he wait? How did he wait well? How did he wait expecting? Well, I need to tell you this. People around him were talking about being afraid, afraid to go in. I'm sure at the manna restaurant, you know, where they all gathered to have their manna, and sat and drank coffee and their manna. They were all saying, it's a shame, but we can't go in there. Nope, 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 nope. It's just too, it's too hard. There is no way. There is no way. And, and okay, here's what you need to realize. These are the people that just walk through the Red Sea on dry land. They just saw some incredibly big miracles, and yet they have now talked themselves out of going in for what God has for them. They have talked themselves out of it because they have let fear overcome them. So number two, what you're going to have to do to have faith like Caleb, you're going to have to shut out that fear. Fear can steal God's promises. The Israelites feared the battle. So so do you know what they even said? They say we longed for Egypt. Egypt? Egypt where you were a slave? Egypt where you were beaten? You long for that? But you know what? Sometimes fear can paralyze us so much that we won't go forward and we decide we'll go back to the comfort of what we know. It wasn't great, but at least we know. And he's not the only one. I mean, they're not the only ones. We do it too. And do you know, sometimes God does some miraculous things in our life, and then we turn around and say, I can't believe God for that. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. He's the God 
the, the problem is, he doesn't work on our timetable. And sometimes because of that, we just get afraid. A, a friend of mine, oh, I'm sorry, I've got a scripture to give you. 2 Timothy 1.7 says, For God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and a sound mind. And I gave you the New King James Version because that's the one I memorized when I was in high school. But on the screen, look at what it says in the Amplified. For God did not give us a spirit of timidity or cowardice or fear, but he has given us a spirit of power and of love and of sound mind and personal discipline, abilities that result in a calm, well-balanced mind and self-control. Abilities that result in a calm, well-balanced mind and self-control. When we're fearful, that is not what we feel, feel like, do we? A friend of mine had, uh, a couple weeks ago, had put an acronym for fear on her Facebook page, and I thought it was so good. Fear. F, false. E, evidence. Evidence. A, appearing and R is real. False evidence appearing real. A lot of times that's what fear is for us, isn't it? You know, um, after my husband BG died, we moved, um, I moved with my daughter and son-in-law into this house where we could all be together. And um, I had lived in my house for 18 years before BG died. And I still remember that first night um, there were, there were so many noises in this house. Like, no, you know, I think I was so used to the noises. You know, houses just make noises. You know, the sump pump comes on, the sump pump shuts off, you know. The furnace comes on, you know, all those noises. But I still remember being fearful. And I thought, why am I fearful? But we could tell that um, at some time while that house was empty, somebody had broke in because the frame of the garage door, they had ruined the frame. And I think in my mind, I began to think of false evidence appearing real. In my mind, I'm thinking every sound is, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, what could be, uh, do you think the people upstairs are hearing that? Because I was the only one on the main level at that time. And I'm like, but in my mind, do you know that sometimes in our mind, we can take one little thing and blow it out of proportion that it, nothing like that's going to happen, but all of a sudden, that's all we can focus on. And what it does is it robs us of believing God for what he promised. Because that's where the enemy attacks. He doesn't attack you for something that is no big deal. He knows what God's promise is. He knows what you want, and he is trying to make you scared about taking that step. You know, I know there have been times in my life that I've blown it. Maybe you guys have too. You know where that still small voice of the Lord says something to you? Maybe it says, go over and talk to her. And has anybody had that happen where all of a sudden you start having a conversation in your head and all of a sudden you say, I don't want to do that. I don't know them. I don't want to, you know. And sometimes I've missed an opportunity and I've always regretted it. But sometimes I felt prompted by the Holy Spirit 
to say something or to do something that is out of my comfort zone. And when I do, when I take a step of faith, I always feel like, oh, I don't know, God, what you're going to do with that, but I know I was supposed to play a part in what you were doing. And sometimes, sometimes, just as Joyce Meyer says, sometimes you're going to have to do it afraid. You're going to have to get beyond your fear because faith is believing for stuff that you don't see, so possibly fear can overwhelm you and and make it so you do not want to take a step of faith. When I allow fear to determine my decisions, I never feel like I have what that verse says. I never feel like I have sound judgment. I never feel like I am calm and well-balanced mind. See, the Israelites let fear rule their lives even though they had seen God do some amazing things, and we have too, haven't we? Look at what it says in Numbers 14, uh, starting with verse 1. That night, all the members of the community raised their voices and wept aloud. All the Israelites grumbled against Moses and Aaron, and the whole assembly said, If only we had died in Egypt or in this wilderness. Oh, goodness. They're whining and complaining, aren't they? Joshua, son of Nun, and Caleb, son of Jephun, who were among those who explored the land, tore their clothes and said to the entire Israelite assembly, The land we passed through and explored is is exceedingly good. And if the Lord is pleased with us, he will lead us into that land, a land flowing with milk and honey, and will give it to us. Only please do not rebel against the Lord. And do not be afraid of the people of the land, because we will devour them. Their protection is gone, but but the Lord is with us. Do not be afraid. And they had allowed fear to say, let's go back to Egypt, or let's go back to the wilderness and just die. Many times we fear because we don't know the whole plan. I like to know the plan. I just do. I like to know where I'm going. I like to know what the next thing. I just do. I like to get up in the morning and have my list. This is what's going to happen. But how many of you know that is not how faith works? God does not give you the whole plan. And you know, looking back, looking back now, years ago, I I sometimes think, oh God, thank you for not showing me the plan because I don't think I could have handled it years ago. I don't know that I could have handled it, but in our mind, we just keep thinking, "If, if God would just show me the plan, then I would know. And it was the same for them. They were just so consumed with fear that they wouldn't want to go forward, and we sometimes do that same thing. But when that, when that fear starts to come, sometimes you're going to have to do what number three says. You're going to have to dig in your heels. You're going to have to dig in your heels and determine that you're going to hold on to what God has said. Let me show you a quick video clip.
You know what? Sometimes you have to dig your heels in like that boy. The clip is longer than that, and I found myself in, on the edge of my seat in my office like, come on, come on, you can do it. And his team was working, but it, this one kid was working harder than anybody, and he is working so hard, and look how close he came to the line. Yet he dug in his heels in and says, I am not going there. I am not going to let him pull me over the line. And Caleb had to do that because he was just two of them among two million. And you think you got problems going to work because there's no other Christians there. Hey, you get to come where there's other people that will encourage you and, and, and say, yes, you can make it and pray for you. And they had to just hang in there by themselves. And sometimes they had to dig their heels in and say, I will wait. I will wait until I see the promises of God come true and I'm going to be ready. And I'm going to be ready for it. Uh, Numbers 14 verse 24 says, but because my servant Caleb had a different spirit and follows me wholeheartedly, I will bring him in to the land he went to and his descendants will inherit. And there are times you're just going to have to dig those heels in and say, however long it takes, I'm believing. I'm believing. I'm holding on. I'm believing for salvation for people in my family. I'm believing for uh, a, a different job. I'm believing for whatever. You fill in the blank. And I'm going to dig my heels in. And I'm not going to get so caught up in that it's taking a long time. I am not, because God's timetable is not ours. He, at least he's never worked that way for me. If you want to see God do something, you're going to have to dig your heels in and say, I claim God's promises and I will believe it. Number four, the last thing that I thought, feel like really helped Caleb is he determined don't settle for less. Psalms 42.5 says, Why are you down in the dumps, my dear soul? Why are you crying the blues? Fix your eyes on God, and soon I'll be praising again. He puts a smile on my face. He's my God. Today I gave you the message version of that verse um, for one particular reason, because I had it for um, an NIV version, and I was just looking at what all of the other versions said when this one hit me. And I remember seeing this so plainly. Um, it was several years before my husband passed away, and he was um, getting ready. I was downstairs um, getting my breakfast, and he came through, and he said, I'm going to go for a bike ride. Not a motorcycle ride, a bicycle ride. And so I said, great, and I did some things in the kitchen, and he had headed out. And it was just a few minutes when I heard the back door open, and I, it kind of made me nervous because I knew he had gone. And he came in, he was white as a sheet, and he was holding his arm. And I said, oh my gosh, what has happened? And he said, well, I was uh, fiddling with my earbuds, and all of a sudden, at the end of our driveway, I realized I was going too fast, and I grabbed the brakes and went over the handlebars. And um, on weekdays, our, our road was really busy because of schools. We had two schools on our road, so it was very busy. 
uh, nobody went by when he fell. So he laid there for a couple minutes, and I wouldn't have come looking for him because I thought he was gone, you know? And so he realized that he needed to get somehow get himself up. He came in, and I said, I think we just need to go to ER. And he said, oh, no, I don't think so. I think what I'll do is I'll go to the chiropractor. I thought, well, your arm's at a weird angle. I don't think the chiropractor's going to help that, but okay. So, so we get in the car, and our day consisted of going to the chiropractor who sent us to the doctor, the doctor who sent us to the surgeon, the surgeon that sent us to the hospital. And um, I think at 11.55, they t at almost midnight, they let us go so we wouldn't have to pay for another day. He had to have IVs. What had happened was um, he hadn't broken a bone. He had shattered his elbow. And so they had had to put a lot of stuff in here to repair that. And uh, to complicate things, he was leaving to go to Armenia within three days. So I remember the next day, I'm like, so what are we going to do about the trip? So this is what was going to happen. He was going on, along with three guys. They were kind of the, the get, get it ready team. And then we had a group coming to do dramas, and they were going to be leaving in about five or six days. And uh, he said, well, I'm going. Okay, if you knew my husband, you knew it probably, he's not going to let anything stop him, right? But it was after he was gone that I was cleaning up the bathroom and I saw this verse. Um, it was on the inside of one of his cabinets. Now, he had put it on a post-it. BG wasn't a post-it, put a verse on kind of person. Like, he just didn't. He, you know, he might have some stuff in his office, but not around the house. I, I'm a, a, a post-it note, put it on a post-it note, my verse, and then I've got it here, and I've got it there, and I'm kind of that way. But what I realized is a guy who almost always was go get him kind of guy had realized that he was kind of down, and he had decided to put this because he was in such pain. Why are you down in the dumps, dear soul? Fix your eyes on God. Soon I will be praising again, and he puts a smile on my face. He's my God. He left on that trip to complicate things even further. Um, he had a contraption that looked like he was a bionic guy. He, um, he could, it wasn't in a sling. He actually had to have someone move his elbow like every hour. So they had to learn, the two guys that were traveling with him literally had to do everything. He couldn't hardly do anything. Um, and they had to move something on this brace and make his elbow move every hour, which was really painful for him. Thank you God that two guys were going with him or I don't know how he would have done the trip. It still was a difficult trip. I know that. He never said that. But I know it had to be really hard. It's hard to have to have people do everything for you, right? It's hard to, to be in terrible pain and not be home. It's hard to, you know, the conditions weren't like here. It, it was different. It was difficult. But here's what he told me when he came home. He said, I know. God did not have me make... Uh, fall over the handlebars. I know that was the enemy. But God used it in incredible ways because he said, 
everybody wanted to come see the bionic guy. Everybody wanted to see this guy that had this big contraption on. He said people, people that probably would never have even come near me came over to talk. And, and my translator would say that we were having a service and he's going to be the speaker and invite him to come. And he said God opened door after door after door just because I was beat up. And I was the had this crazy, goofy brace thing. Isn't God great? Because see, we don't know how he's going to do it. And we don't know what the time frame will be. And I want to say to you, don't settle. We settle when we expect nothing more than what we have and when we live our lives without faith to believe that God's promises are for us. You know, even though we've been delivered from our own Egypt, there's a lot of times we, we don't go into the promised land. And I want to ask you today, how bad do you want it? Because here's what some things that you're going to have to know as you travel along that journey of faith. Life is tough and God is good. Life is tough. You're not going to, you cannot leave here today and say, God, I'm going to hold on to God's promises and it will be easy. It's not going to be easy because life here isn't. God never said it would be easy. You need to know that it could take a long time to get to your promised land. Maybe not 45 years. But just because you are still waiting for something that God said to you and you still haven't seen it, don't give up. Because it's going to be time for you to put your bulldog or pit bull face on and hold on to God's promises and not let go. You know that verse that I started out with, I want you to, to realize that he said, I'm just as ready as I was 45 years ago. I would like to invite you to all just stand. And what I want to do is, if you could, just, just reach out your hands like this. And I'm going to read something that a friend of mine wrote just recently. And it applied so much to what we're doing today. It says, live with open hands. And don't try to take hold of the pen. God is writing a good story. His timing is the best, exactly what you would choose if you could see the end from the beginning. Look around you and find him in the in-between, always present and good in the middle of it all. Pay attention to what's going on around you. Keep your eyes on him. He's at work preparing the way, opening the doors for you to walk through. Be strong and courageous, and don't doubt for one second that he is with you here and now, and he will be with you then and there. Dear Heavenly Father, I just pray right now with open hands, we, we ask you, God, what are your promises for us? God, I pray that for those in this, in this building right now that have had a promise for you, but God, in the midst of life, it seems so far away, or maybe it's been buried. And God, I just pray that you will revive that again. That excitement that they felt as they knew they were doing what you wanted them to do.
God, let it be revived again in them. God, let us always, always, always remember that faith isn't up to us. Faith is up taking a step and then waiting to see what God is going to do. Right now, if I just want to let you know that if you have not received Jesus as your Lord and Savior, I want to give you an opportunity. You know, as I talked about how what a God we serve and how much He loves us and cares for us, I want you to know that. So I want to encourage you to um, pray a prayer after I say it and just mean it from your heart. That's all it is, is asking Jesus in your heart. Father God, I come to you because I need you. I admit that I have sinned and I ask you to forgive me of every sin. Lord Jesus, come into my life be my Lord, be my Savior, be my King. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Well, if you prayed that prayer today, you made the best decision you're going to make in your entire life. And I just want to thank you for being here. I know the roads were kind of iffy, and I'm thankful that you took a step of faith and came to church to hear about faith. And so... Thank you so much for being here. God bless you. Have a great week. Drive safe home.